Today I have the privilege of welcoming up Pastor Randy Larson. And where is he at today? I know he's here because I prayed with him. Hey, Randy, come on up, buddy. You had me sweating there for a second. <laughs> Would you welcome Randy Larson, everybody? Now, Randy, uh, he graciously stepped in one of the weeks uh, during my sabbatical, and um, I was not able to be here in person, so I'm very excited to be able to hear Randy in person. There was a number of you that told me, hey, you can bring Randy back. That was great. So we're going to hear from Randy again today. Um, he is a part of a ministry to pastors in Uganda, and he'll share a little bit about that in a second, and then he's also going to uh, share a message with us today. And so before he begins, let's take a moment right now to pray and ask the Lord's blessing over this time together. Hmm. Father, I thank you for this time, Lord, as we lean into you through the power of the inspired and anointed Word of God. And we ask, Lord, that this would be a blessed time where you are speaking freely through Randy and into each of our hearts. We ask your blessing. We pray for the children as they are leaning in and learning about Jesus. I pray for a blessing on those who are teaching. We lift this time to you, Lord, and we ask your grace and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And for context... This is Mark Larson's papa right here. So if you didn't know that, I know we got a lot of Larsons in the church, but this one would be connected to Mark and Sarah Larson and their family. So Lord bless you. Thank you, Randy. Okay. We got the video? Yes. Available. Let's go ahead and launch the video here. That'll give you... Hi, my name's Randy Larson and I was a pastor for 29 years. For the last eight years, nine years, I've been training pastors in different countries around the world. What happened was is that I have a son-in-law from Kenya and he grew up very close to the Ugandan border. And then my daughter said, Dad, 80% of the pastors in Uganda have no training. I've been working with different ministries on a two-year program of training pastors. We train them just about everything that they could get in seminary, from theology, systematic theology, to homiletics, we're teaching ethics this week, uh, hermeneutics, you name it. We want to prepare these pastors for ministry, and we want them to go through that two-year program so they will be fully equipped for the ministry. Because of the first teaching they taught about the qualities of a leader and the testimonies Pastor Rande was telling me encouraged me to move more with the Lord and to do the work. So I was encouraged very much, so I'm very appreciative to all the work. For the past few years Grace Pastoral Training Center, a free school for pastors, has been meeting in an elementary school. They meet for two-week sessions, three times a year. It becomes difficult to meet when school is in session and the rooms are occupied. Local churches are sought out to host the classes. In 2020, Loving One by One was able to purchase 10 acres adjacent to her current property. On this land stands a half-built building about 6,000 square feet. It has a raised foundation and all the walls. Loving One by One is planning to use this building as the training center for the pastors. It will include a study room and a well-stocked library. The building will also house a media production facility for radio and television productions. 
All the equipment for this has already donated and is at Graceland, in storage. The facility will also be training local widows and single mothers to learn sewing and other skills to provide a means to feed and clothe their families. invited and supporting this. Uganda had what was called the Ugandan Holocaust. 350,000 Christians were martyred under Idi Amin. His goal was to wipe out Christianity. People saw how those Christians died. One of the students you saw there survived that. His entire church was, was massacred and he alone survived. And people watched and the result is, you know, you always wonder, what would happen to me if somebody said, all they had to do was say the Muslim prayer, and then they're, they're free to go. But they didn't. They couldn't renounce their Jesus. People watch that. At that moment when you need it, Jesus is going to be there for you. And they watch that. And as a result, there's this massive revival that took place in Uganda. It's now the most Christianized nation. It's 80% Christian. 80%. But the other 80% sadness is that 80% of the pastors have no training. Idi Amin emptied the banks. It's one of the poorest countries. And the Bible schools that are there, nobody can afford to go to. So we provide a free education. Cults are coming in. They're decimating these new immature believers. We're taking advantage of them. Even the president's wife is a born-again Christian. And her goal is to have pastors go to Bible schools to get training and to get certified by the government. And they're trying to rid of these cults. Even the BBC did a report on how dangerous these people are, what they're doing, and how they use Jesus just to get money for themselves. So uh, this is our, we, we have a building that's half done. We say 50,000 will have uh, almost starved to death and to the point they, they almost died every hand went up and I just said I'm not worthy to wash these people's feet I just and yet um, I've had just the joy of, of doing this so pray for Grace Pastoral Training School we're having our second graduating class in January we're taking a where Terry Baxter is coming with us and speak, teaching, teaching the class that he taught you on spiritual warfare he went with Njinja last year, and uh, we, had, we uh, branched out our school over to Jinja, and we had this massive revival. No, the pastors never, ever had a ministerial before, and they were fighting one another, and they were repenting, and they were reconciling one another. And ever since then, they've been meeting together and praying for Jinja together as pastors, and it's powerful. So God is moving there. You sense it when you fly into Uganda. 
you just sense that there's this darkness that just lifts. It comes, it come, when I come back in the United States, you just feel that darkness again. But there's this great revival that's happening. So during this month of, of missions, uh, we're talking about the lost. And I can't think of a better passage to go to when it comes to lost and turn to Luke chapter 15. If you could take your Bibles or your electronic devices, turn to that right now. Luke chapter 15. And it starts with this. In verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him, the lost. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man sinners, he receives sinners and eats with them. Uh, there's an old story about this, this monk that went to this monastery, and he went to, he went to, the, to the Monsignor, and he said, Listen, I'll bake your bread, I'll scrub your floors, I'll wash your windows, but don't make me preach. The Monsignor said, Deal, you got a deal. So for 25 years, Brother John, he scrubbed floors, he washed windows, and he baked bread until the Monsignor died. New Monsignor comes in, and he's got all the brothers together in the chapel, and he said, all the brothers must cheat. <laughs> preach, preach. <laughs> Sorry. Much preach. And so Brother John went up to him, and he said, I will bake your bread, I will scrub your floors, I will wash your windows, but please don't make me preach. He says, you either preach or you're done. You're gone. So the next day, it was his assignment to get up, and he got up, and he said, my dear brothers, do you know what I'm going to say today? And everyone shook their heads no. And he said, neither do I. You're dismissed. <laughs> Monsignor was not, did not take that well. He said, Brother John, that's not a sermon. Tomorrow you must preach. You have got to preach a sermon. So he got up again and he said, my dear brothers, do you know what I'm going to say today? And everyone shook their head yes. He says, good, I don't have to tell you, you're dismissed. <laughs> this time the Monsignor's face was beat red. He said, you either preach or you're done. And he goes, okay. He got up and he said, my dear brothers, do you know what I'm going to talk about today? Some shook their heads no. Some shook their heads, yes. He said, those of you who know, tell those who don't know. <laughs> Therein lies the principle of missions. Those of you who know, tell those who don't know. When it comes to Luke chapter 15, what happens is that when Jesus is reaching the lost, what do the Pharisees do? What do the religious people do? They grumble. You ever get to that grumbling stage of life? I have. <laughs> I go to Walmart. Why is that guy parking in the, in, the, in the handicap? He's not handicapped. He doesn't have his sign. Why does that guy have a, a, a nose ring in his nose? What's going to happen when he gets a cold? He's going to have a bubble there or what's going on? I just, well, he got tattoos on his face. You ever grumbled like that? What are, what are they looking like that for? Look at that guy the way they act. It's grumbling. It's part of our nature, right? My wife and I, we have to kind of nudge each other. You're grumbling. <laughs> and Jesus responds by saying, 
parables. And what he does is that he's saying three kinds of loss. And I want you to remember these three kinds of loss today. Because it will help you in reaching those who don't know. Because you know. You know the gospel. And we always, and it's good to have people that we support. It's great. We're like Brother John. I'll support people. I can do things. But for me, reaching the lost... See, you see, missions is not about just foreign fields, it's about you. You've got a foreign field right next to you. You got neighbors, you got a community. We're all missionaries, amen? We're all there. And so Jesus responds by three parables. And you know the parables, don't you? Parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. And you have the lost son. So I'm going to tell you the three different kinds of lost and how you reach them. Now, the first kind of lost is when Jesus talks about the lost sheep. And you have the story. You probably all learned this in Sunday school. Shepherd has 100 sheep. He loses one sheep. He leaves the 99, goes out, and gets them. And then he talks about the woman who has the lost coin. Now, women, if you, if you uh, know about the, the culture back then, the, the, the bridal, uh, what do they call that, that thing they wear on top? What? Veil, veil, yes, thank you. Memory's great this morning. Anyway, the veil had ten coins on it. And so... That represented her security. It's like you getting out your photo albums of your wedding. You save your wedding dress. Put it in a nice box. We've got it in our house. You've, you save that wedding dress. You've got all those memories. They talk about, they have these wedding shows, and they just can't wait for that day. You know, guys aren't like that. We just want to get married, all right? They're waiting for that day of what they're going to wear. And so that was her treasure. So The guy with the lost sheep, he leaves everything. He realizes that he's got to get that. And so what happened was is that the first kind of lost, if you want to write this down and remember it, are those who get lost by accident. People who are lost don't get up one day and says, you know what, I think this is a good day to get lost. (laughs) You don't know why. You do not want to get lost. I got lost trying to, coming from this place trying to find my son's home. And I got the wrong Rockwell City. I think it was like there's another one similar to it, the other side of Iowa. <laughs> and I'm looking at my, at my GPS and I'm getting farther away from my son. I go, man, this is taking a long time to get to your house. There's that feeling inside, I don't like this, going the wrong way. You got people right now, they're lost. But you, let's go back to that, that lost sheep. That represents men about significance. Men like to talk about what they do. First question we ask after what's their name? Hey, what's your name? My name's Bob. What do you do? I work on cars. Yeah, so we like to talk about our success. How's your business going? Oh, man, we added on last year. How's the cows going? We just, we just added 400 more cows. How's the grain business? Man, we are just doing great. We're, we've got a new kind of corn. It's producing twice as much. We like to talk about that, right? 
Nobody likes to talk about how bad things are. You know, when people ask me about my name, they say, what's your name? My name's Randy. What do you do? I'm a pastor. What do you think the next question is? Anybody know? How big is your church? (laughs) Why do they ask that? They want to know how successful you are. I got so mad at that, I finally just said, well, I think we're about 15,000. They go, people? And I said, no, square feet. You asked how big the building was. <laughs> and so it represented men's significance. And so when, when you see the numbers going down in your business, you do everything you can to try to reverse that. Just like that shepherd who went out and said, I got to find that lost sheep. I got a hundred sheep. They're going to be asking me when I get together with the guys again, how's the sheep doing? Well, I lost 20 last week. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to talk about your failures. And the woman, that represented her security. Number one need for men is significance. The number one need for women is security. And when that security, that thing that represented her security was gone, she did everything she could to find it. And Jesus said, do we have that same kind of passion for people? Do we value people or do we value things? We use things, we love people, but we reverse that, don't we? We love things and we use people. Jesus is saying, I need you to look through people at people through different eyes, through the eyes of Jesus. How does Jesus see them? I want you to just give that passion of like, how can I reach these lost? You have people right now that are lost by accident. They don't want to be where they are. They're, they're, they've got a loaded gun right now. And they don't know. They've run out of options in their life and they don't have anything else. They are lost and they don't know what to do. You've got couples that are ready for a divorce and they're lost and they don't know what to do and they're looking for hope. You have a person that's sitting there in a tavern getting drunk. He's, he's killing himself with alcohol or drugs because they try to numb the, 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 the lostness, the hurt and the pain inside and they don't know what to do. They're lost. And we're those people that she'd be looking for them. Well, how do I find them? Well, just like, you know, the old-time radios, you remember on the radio, you turn the dial. Some of you still have cars that do that. You turn the uh, You're looking for the station, right? You find the right station. Find what you're looking for. And Jesus said, I want you to turn to a different dial. I want you to get in the same wavelength as Jesus. There's one prayer that in heaven, the angels are high-fiving one another when you pray this prayer. You know what that prayer is? Lord, give me the opportunity to share my faith today. Give me the opportunity to show the love of Christ to somebody. Give me the opportunity, that neighbor, that I've just been mad at or upset with that person. Some people said, you know what? The whole place I work with, I'm the only Christian. I go, praise God. He thinks so highly of you. You've entrusted that whole place to you. <laughs> so what do you do? What's the first kind of lost? Those who get lost by accident. All right. So the second kind of lost, we get the prodigal son. Prodigal son, he, uh, he looks at his dad 
And he said, I don't like your rules. I don't like your, I don't, uh, I don't like this life that I have to live subservient to you. He liked the wealth. It's kind of like the way people are sometimes with God. They, they, uh, they like the world more than they like the Father. They like what the Father has, but they don't like the Father. Everything in the world is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom, it says in the Old Testament. Everything belongs to God. It belongs to him. But he looked at him and he said, I don't like your rules. I don't like your regulations. I'm out of here. And he left. So the second kind of lost are those who want to be lost. You got that? First kind of lost, those who get lost by? Those who want to be lost. Want to be lost. So here he, he just said, uh, you know what? Uh, I, just, I just want to do my thing. Many of you have children right now. You have friends that you've tried to share the gospel with. They don't, they don't want to hear about it. You think of the prodigal son's father. If he were today, would he, would he, when, the, when the son left, would he called, up, called him up on the phone and say, let's go over that gospel one more time? Would he do that? No. There's a point where he says, I'm done. And that's when you do one of the most powerful things that God's ever given to you. One of the things you notice that's happened in America and growing up in the United States and growing up in a church, I remember prayer meetings being packed. I remember sitting with my father as a little boy. And the church was just filled with people praying. Some people say we've replaced the prayer meeting with the ballot box. Politics isn't going to change your nation. Look at the history. Look at what happened in Uganda. Idi Amin was literally slaughtering Christians. They would go into the swamps because it was the only place the soldiers wouldn't go and they prayed that God would turn their nation around. And that's what happened. Idi Amin was gone. And God changed their nation. And so a parent, when he gets down, you do one thing and you start praying. Just like you do with those who are lost by accident. You pray for that son. There's a point where you just have to be quiet. I can just picture that, that father sitting on the porch on his rocking chair looking out in the evening. Saying, Lord, you know my son. You know how to deal with them. You know I pray for circumstances. I pray for people to be into his life, to speak truth into his life. I'm praying that in dreams and everything that you are going to make it so uncomfortable for him right now. And that's exactly what that happened to that prodigal son. He was in a pig pen to the Jews were listening to their story. They were just going, oh my goodness, pig pen, eating the pig food. That was the most vile thing you could possibly do. And he gotten so low, he had to reach up to touch bottom. And he said, even my father's servants do better than this. So what do you do for, for those who get lost, who want to be lost? Pray for them. And be specific how you pray for them. Just keep 
praying. You know, there's a, there's a concept of prayer. Somebody said it was an old song about a guy's in a room, and a hornet comes into the room. Now, every time you send a prayer, it's like sending a hornet into that room. Now, the guy doesn't have to leave, to leave but the more hornets is going to make him willing to leave. <laughs> You're going to make it uncomfortable for them. So just pray. And pray that God helps you to be the parent, the person that God wants you to be. Maybe something you did. And say, you know what, let's, let's talk about this. I've had to go apologize to my kids. I find out something, you know, I did. And I, I offended them. And I'd say, you know what, let's talk about this. I'm sorry. One parent told me, I never tell my kids I'm sorry. And I go, yeah, I, I can see the consequences of it. Sad. We have to do it with the Lord every day. I have people who never go to church, and uh, I do, and they ask me to do funerals for them. Funeral director and I are good friends, and so I go in there, and I said, "Did this guy ever go to church?" And they go, "Nope." Did he believe in God? Uh, I think so, but we know he's in a better place. We know he's in a better place. And I'm thinking, what did he do? What did he live for? Oh, man, he just loved hunting. He loved cars. He loved the Packers. He loved all these things. That was his passion in life. I said, what about God? No, he didn't have any time for that. I said, you think, you think if a person goes to heaven, heaven would be hell for them. Because we just had heaven practice this morning, right? When we were singing, we're going to get to do this in heaven when Pastor Russ was talking about the angels singing. Man, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Just like, wow, that's going to be one awesome worship service. Eternity's not going to be long enough to sit at the feet of Jesus and look at him and inquire and ask questions like David said. Amen? It's like, wow, I can't wait for that. But for the person who's lost, they want to be lost. They just think they can do with anything they want. They need the gospel. Well, the last kind of lost is probably one of the most terrifying lost. First one, we get lost by. Second one, those who. And the third kind of lost are those when he talked about the prodigal's brother. You remember? The, 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 the prodigal son's dad saw him. I can just imagine that scene. He's walking. He, can, he knows that gate, the way he walks. He goes, that's got to be my son. His heart just leaped for joy. I can imagine those prayers are being answered, and he's so excited. And, and then he just says, we're going to have a party. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. Then, then the grumbling takes place. <laughs> Jesus is taking a full circle back to these Pharisees, grumbling. Well, he never gave me a party. <laughs> he just started angry. He just, ugh. I went and spoke at Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our president during World War II and the Depression. I got to speak in his church down in Georgia one time, in little church. And I sat in the Sunday school just before I preached. And the old guys were just sitting there, you know, things ain't what used to be. Everything's going downhill. Oh, can you believe the economy? Can you believe the way the young people are today? And this went on and on and on the whole Sunday school service. And I said, you know what happened here? 
These people have given up. They quit. They don't realize the immense power that God is ready to pour out from heaven into their lives to make a difference in this world. It's all here, folks. It's all here. But the third kind of lost is those who are lost and they don't know it. He went full circle. Went back. And it, it, it defined their attitude towards the world. And you see, that's the one that we have to keep asking ourselves. Am I, am I lost in my relationship with God? When was the last time you really tried to go and tell your faith to somebody else? When was the last time you, you really prayed for somebody that was lost? Some of you are probably doing it right now, and it's great. But some of you, maybe way back... You're just kind of going through the motions and there was a point in your life that maybe you split from the Lord. Something happened. I always tell people, just go back there. He's right where you left him. He's right where you left him. You just say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. You know, Jesus said when he went to his disciples, he said, follow me. And what's the next thing he's going to ask us to do? When he asked Peter to follow him, what did he say? Follow me and I will what? Make you fishers of men. I like that word make. He's going to make. For the next, for the rest of your life, Jesus, when you are walking with him, as in Peter, it says walking in his steps. He said, you, Jesus is going to be teaching you how to reach people. You don't have to sit and look at yourself and you go, I can't do that. I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to share my faith. All I asked one guy one time was I was at a convention to pray for, at a political party to pray. And I got up and I prayed. And I asked the leader, the director of of that party, I said, so where do you go to church? He looked at me and goes, I don't go to church. I go, oh, okay. I walked away. Two days later, he's in my office weeping. He said, I cannot believe I told a pastor I didn't go to church. And he put his faith in Jesus at that moment. You just say, Jesus, I want to walk with you today. I want to speak as you want me to speak. I'm going to go where you want me to go. When you hear that voice, you're going to hear that nudging of the Holy Spirit. Say it. Say it. Tell him. Tell him. Don't hide that, hide that little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Don't hide it under a bush. Oh, no, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. My son Mark and I were, uh, went to, in Poland in 2010. He was still in high school, and we went over with a bunch of high school kids. They were all single parents. The moms were either prostitutes or drug addicts, and we got these, their kids, and we took them out to a youth camp. And we saw a revival. All those kids came to Christ. It was just amazing. It was like, wow. But then I said, I want to see Auschwitz. The Nazi death camp during World War II. They were trying to eliminate not only Jews, but all the Polish citizens. Polish people told us about their grandmothers on trains going to Auschwitz. And you get there, there's just a somber 
hush over that place. And we had a guide take us through, and he, take you, he takes you through these uh, the buildings like a hallway like this, and you see one pane of glass. It's walled off. And just from three days, you see one room filled with human hair. They were made into coats and sent for soldiers on the front. And then the next room, you would see, you would see baby clothes or glasses. And all of that was shipped out to people who needed it. So this is just from three days. And one, one place, they said, now look at this one. It was all suitcases. And on each suitcase, it had their name, and it had a date. And they were told by the guards, because I'm thinking, if I'm going to die, if I'm going to die, and if I'm with my family, I'm going to go out. You'd want to go out doing something to protect your family. It's just your natural instinct. Well, they didn't have that many guards there. I was surprised. But they told the people, they said, we're going to, we're going to get you to a new residence. We're gonna, and we want you to write down on your suitcase the, your name and your date of birth so that when you go get your showers, you're going to come back and grab your suitcase, and then you can go to your new house. Now, now on the next place was a, a whole wall of hooks, and each hook had a number. They said, no, you put your clothes on that hook when you go in and get your showers. Because when you come out, you get your clothes, go to get your suitcase, and we'll send you to your new building. They separated the men and then the women from the children. Well, Mark and I went into that room where the showers were. And they jammed them in as tight as they could. And they put Cyclone B, a, a, a bug killer. It took almost 19 to 20 minutes to kill them. And we went in there and... I saw pictures of mothers carrying their babies, and I'm God, this is 70, 70 years ago. I wish I could have done something. I just felt so helpless. It was like, couldn't somebody do something for this? And it was like at that moment, Jesus said, Randy, don't you realize you live in Auschwitz? And I go, what do you mean? Remember those prayer walks you took through, through your town? And in every, in every house, you saw the blue light, the blue, the blue screen, Everyone is being taught, live any way you want. Just going back to when, talk about unbelievers thinking they're all going to a better place. They're all being taught theologically to do anything you want, believe anything you want, because in the end, you're going to a better place. They're being lied to, just like those German officers lied to those Jewish and Polish people. And we have the truth. And God said, don't let your heart become cold. Don't let it become hard to the point you just don't care anymore. Just before I came here, I heard of a church where there was a, it broke my heart because this church was reaching out to alcoholics, for drug addicts, for 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 people who had just gotten out of jail, and the pastor fell morally, and they had this whole group of people, just lives have been radically changed by Jesus Christ. They're all on fire for Jesus, and then the leader of moral had a moral failure. 
And so there were other leaders that took them, and they said, well, we'll just go to this other church. So they bring all these people in, bring them all with their tattoos on their face and their rings and their nose rings and everything. They walk in, and they fill up the church. And they all walk away, all feeling the same. I don't think they want us here. We would talk about reaching the lost, but it's a messy thing, isn't it? And that is that we have the heart of Jesus. We, we have to ask him to change us because all of our hearts can be drawn to that way. So let's go and review one more time. First kind of lost are those who get lost by? Second of all, those who are lost but don't know it. The third, I mean, who want to be lost, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even know. Lost by accident, those who want to be lost, and those who lost and they don't know it. Let's pray. Thank you for Faith Community Church. Thank you. I just sense the love of Jesus Christ here. And I just thank you for the support of missions. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to just work through this congregation, in reaching the lost. Lord, we're just, just moments from allowing our hearts to get cold. We pray that you would keep it tender. Help us to always walk in your steps, to walk with you, and allow you to make us to be fishers of men. And all God's people said, amen.